I'm Linda Apps, and this is the Yoga Nook podcast. Today I'm speaking with Petra Winkler Horta. Petra's been doing Iyengar yoga for many years. Petra was in India in November 2016 when she discovered that she had cancer. She was on her way back to Europe to live at the time, so she went back there for treatment. Now, three years later, she's back in Australia to sit her junior intermediate assessment exam. She came over for a cup of tea and to tell me her story. We began by talking about how quickly the cancer progressed. When I was diagnosed, I hardly had a tumor in the breast. They couldn't actually find one at first, but I had swollen lymph nodes and it had already spread into my spine and pelvis and ribs. When you were first diagnosed, did you have any symptoms? Like were you feeling tired or anything like that? Or No, I realized, or the thing I realized was that I had swollen lymph nodes and that's why I went to the doctor and then she first did a test for a virus because I had just been to Pune in India, mm-hmm. to the institute. Um, that's actually where I realized it at first. And to me, it also, it was kind of starting overnight because when you're in Pune you do lots of yoga and one morning I realized in Tadasana that I had swollen lymph nodes and the day before it wasn't like that so it was really quick and were they big swollen lymph nodes there were four that were four centimeters wow so I didn't have an armpit like to look at you know usually it's hollow but it was just it was huge yeah could you feel anything Not at first when I got the diagnosis, but I also just after the diagnosis, I moved to Germany and then three months later, I was in a lot of pain because actually my spine started breaking or fracturing like in an osteoporosis. So I'm also seven centimeters smaller than I used to be. You look incredibly well though. You look so vibrant and healthy. So what has happened in the three years between 2016 and now? Uh, I mean, at first, when I moved to Germany, I, it was really hard for me to kind of accept, I would say, Western medicine treatment because I lived a very healthy life and I would eat organic food. Then I thought, you know, like taking chemotherapy and stuff. So I first um, wanted to do Gerson therapy. Mm-hmm. which is a form of alternative therapy. And Max Gerson was actually a German doctor uh, before the Second World War, but then he had to flee Germany and move to America. Um, but the doctor I met in Munich, he actually does the Gerson therapy and he supports you d- during the Gerson therapy. And there is a Gerson clinic in Hungary. So I went to that one. But even at the Gerson clinic, they told me, look, you have such a high growth and any alternative therapy needs time and you might not have the time for it to work. So even they said they would suggest I do a chemotherapy to slow it down and then go ahead with the Gerson therapy. And uh, I got worse after that. Um, quite quickly because there were some uh, there was a death in the family and things so it was a stressful time as well 
And so I actually ended up having fractures in my spine and my kidneys stopped functioning. My liver started to stop functioning. So then I was a oncological emergency. And so then you started the chemo after the collapse of the organs or before that? After. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. To survive all that does, must be so challenging mentally, apart from anything else. Yeah, and because we just had also moved apartment, because first when we moved, we were in a furnished apartment. And I think that was also part of the reason, like I didn't really have my yoga props, so it was really hard to practice, because when you have cancer, you use much more props. So it's a lot more setups and things you need. And then we finally had moved into our apartment, but then I was away for radiation and things. So pretty much one of the first things I did when I came home was to drill holes and put up my swing <laughs> and hung myself in headstand. And really that was the changing point. Like from then on, I got just better. And the month after I came out of hospital, I went to Italy to do a retreat with Pixie Lilas, my teacher from Australia. Oh, fantastic. But I worked, like, I did my own restorative practice, but I had that time to actually do yoga and, yes, and connect with other yogis again. And, yeah, yeah, fantastic. And then was Pixie guiding you through doing mostly restorative and passive stuff? Then? I kind of did my own practice. I had kind of just to work with what I could do, and sometimes she would say things or suggest things, and... Then in the afternoon, when it is more restorative, I kind of fit in with the class or sometimes if I had already done a lot of that in the morning, I would modify it again. So, mm. And I did the normal pranayama with the class, but I couldn't sit in the middle of the room. Like sometimes I did it lying down or I had to sit back to the wall with a brick in the back just to sustain sitting. Oh, because my energy was still quite low at that yeah, point. Yeah, so you sound amazing to have done everything that you've done. Did at any point did you consider just stopping doing yoga and was that no because I could just because I also was on painkillers at first and then I just realized you know when I actually did yoga I was in less pain and I also had to wear a corset and after I came back from Italy from the retreat I started to forget to wear the corset and then my oncologist um, ordered another CT and then he said, actually, it's looking really good and we can stop the chemo and we're just going to continue with the antibodies. Fantastic. And what are the antibodies? What are they doing? Is that the immunotherapy? It's kind of an immunotherapy, yes. And I mean, they're called Herceptin and Pachetta. And the way he explained it to me um, is that the Herceptin closes off the receptors of the cells because my form of cancer has too many receptors and then the percheta binds the first medication the receptin to the cells and marks the cells so that my own immune system can actually get rid of the cells and destroy them and that's where yoga can really help by boosting your immune system or holding it healthy so that your body can do what it does yeah, I think for me it was a lot to do with my back so that I was straighter again so breathing becomes easier and I'm in less pain and I become more upright again 
And I realize, you know, when I do lots of homework or I clean and things that, you know, my back gets worse and then I lie back over a bolster and I straighten myself again. Are there long-term after effects of the radiation on your neck and your lumbar spine? I mean, not that I'm aware of. I mean, what I have is itchiness. So I sometimes I think about, is it from radiation? Could it be from radiation? But then everybody says it's too long after radiation. But also the Herceptin can make itchiness. But the the interesting thing, it's very localized in my neck and shoulder, arms area. So I'm not sure. Well, I remember they used to equate itchiness with things healing. So maybe it's some kind of healing thing that's going on. But it has been going on for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) But possibly it's long time healing. How do you so you feel like you want to scratch inside your spine? Is that how it feels? It's not necessarily the spine, but it's like deep in the tissue and Ah. itchiness. And of course, it mainly comes when you kind of stop doing things. Uh So it's mainly at night and sometimes it keeps me awake. I got a few things I do now, like just washing it with cold water and I had oils and I had a few things from a herb shop in Germany as well. And uh, were you glad that you were in Germany so you were able to be treated in a German hospital? Yeah, I think it was in a way, you know, like you think, Germany is possibly the place to go when you have an illness like that um, because they also have lots of different kind of treatments and it's a really big place like people come from Saudi Arabia to get treated like there is also a lot of tourism going on medical Uh. tourism going on in Germany yeah but I was glad because I wouldn't have gotten the same medication necessarily in Australia or even Switzerland and why why would that be just germany's more advanced in that or more open to those kind of medications i'm not exactly sure what it is i mean they're possibly more open to add different kind of treatments to the normal western medicine treatments a bit more accepting um but also like in Switzerland, for example, it wasn't paid because Roche and the government had a fight about the price of the medication. And then the government just said, OK, it's not on the paid medication list anymore. One uh, of the medications I get. And yet it is on the Germany in yeah. Germany. Mm, yeah. Fantastic. That makes a huge yeah, so it difference. So lucky. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, excellent. And so now, and what made you decide to go for your junior intermediate? Is it? Which level are you going for? Junior intermediate one. Ah, well done. I mean, the one thing is possibly as a yoga teacher and having been through that, you know, on I'm an intro teacher, so I'm not allowed to actually work with people that have my illness because you need to be quite a high level um, to teach therapy in yes, that sense. I think you have to be senior intermediate too. Yeah. But actually now I teach a class for women with breast cancer, but I teach it at a studio where there is a senior teacher and he's my mentor. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And whereabouts is that? That's in Munich and it's called iYoga. And how many, how long have you been doing that? I started in January 
mm-hmm. doing it. And I mean, it's starting small. I have three women now that come regularly. And yeah, it has been good. Oh, fantastic. And they are obviously, do they have a similar kind of cancer to yours or a different version? Or? I mean, they have all <coughs> breast cancer, but they're all different cancers as such. Um, some are hormone receptive, some are not hormone receptive. But also they are all at different stages of it. Like mm. some have finished treatment, some are in the middle of chemotherapy, some have had double mastectomies and one lady just had a mastectomy, then she came back and then she had the uh, implants and then she came back again. So we're working on getting her chest open again and getting her mobility back. So they all have slightly different programs they go through in that class. And what sort of, in general, what sort of approach do you take? Uh, I mean, it's very restorative, Mm -hmm. the yoga, but it's also, I would say, lots of restorative supportive backbends to different degrees because I mean if you had a mastectomy you can't go to a full back bend but you want to start opening that chest and opening that area very important to open the armpits if you have chemotherapy open armpits and groin because that's where the heat leaves the body but also the back bends help you with your mood and mental state and I think yoga just helps you calm the mind as well so as you say, so that you can be just in the present and deal with things as they are, not not uh, racing yeah. ahead, getting scared about things. And the opening of their groins, and that's also to for the immune system as well, like the opening of the armpits and the groin pits. I mean, that's where your main lymph nodes are. I mean, you have lots in the abdomen as well. So that's why the passive backbends help as well to kind of just help your immune system as well. But... I know from uh, Stephanie Quirk and Guruji that, you know, it's opening the armpits also for the heat to leave the body because chemotherapy like is very heating for the body. And then you think if someone has a hormone replacement therapy as well, they from one day to the next, they are menopausal as well. So a lot of them have hot flashes and all of those things. So. Working on that as well. Mm. So you must know a lot of variations of passive backbends then. Yeah, I mean, possibly one, like just in my own practice, my go-to pose, and that's it, would say the pose I can't live without is Vipritandasana over a backbender. And uh, do you use the Lois Steinberg Cancer book at all for that? Yeah, I mean, that has been a big help in the whole process. But then also I was in contact with Stephanie Quirk and I had before worked with Stephanie Quirk in the therapy class and I was actually looking after the breast cancer uh, patients sometimes as well. So I kind of knew from there a bit what I have to do. Um, apart from the passive backbends, what else, what else would you do? From one point on, I do a lot of inversions mm-hmm. as well. Um, for myself, like the hanging shishasana, was actually really nice on my spine because it gives you a bit of traction and for once it takes the load that comes onto your spine off your spine but of course I used head support so you're not hanging free 
yeah so inversions are very important for your immune system and actually when i was first diagnosed the advice that stephanie gave me was the immune boosting sequence that guruji gave out once so so there is kind of there are two practices a day and it's all inversions was that the the flu the anti when there was a flu epidemic and i think i think it was the bird flu in india or something yeah yeah yeah. so but you've decided to go for your assessment to give you something to focus on or because you want to work towards doing therapy work with people uh i think it's one of my big goals and i mean sometimes i find it a bit frustrating because you kind of you have worked through that and you have that knowledge and in a way you can't share it but you've like i mean you're you get to know people there and you get friends through that network as well and they ask you and they say kind of come to a class and they don't really fit into a normal class because like uh, one thing like you don't take weight on your arms for a year like you wouldn't do a dog pose on things for a year especially when you had lymph nodes removed Mm -hmm. because of the lymphedema or the risk of lymphedema because your arms feel heavy already like Mm -hmm. when you had surgery and things so yeah it's great that you can do it under the mentorship of a senior 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 teacher teacher, and hopefully you can just keep doing it that way because it wouldn't really make sense that you have this experience and you have this knowledge and you can't share it yeah and I guess if you have gone through something you also kind of go like okay like where do I go from there and there is that passion about it and yeah assessment can be a very stressful situation you're not concerned about putting yourself through that stress or Um, I mean I have done it before and Mm. Also, I know kind of the system in Australia because I've gone through the assessment process in Australia before and I know a lot of the senior teachers because I was a board member for a while. So it's not as stressful for me, I think, as it would be in Germany. And for myself, I also kind of wanted to come to Australia to finish kind of that part here in a way. Oh, very good. And then then when you're back in Germany, you... Do you plan to continue moving through the assessment stages after that? Or? Yeah, at the moment it's a plan, but yeah. it's possibly one of the things I don't plan the future that much anymore. So, yeah. And uh, so do you mind talking about your prognosis? like, Or do you have a prognosis at this the, stage? Or? No, there is no prognosis. I mean... There are studies out there. I don't really like to read them, but I sometimes read them, especially because I also work with cancer patients and I used to work with cancer patients before also in my other profession as a massage therapist. You're, are you a craniosacral person as well? Or yeah, I massage? do craniosacral therapy and uh, I also do lymphatic drainage. And in that field, I already worked with cancer patients with lymphedema and things before actually and so So you're very well qualified (laughs) (laughs) and the studies just said and because the medication hasn't been on the market for that long but it's only about 20 percent that live more than five years but i have two good years and yeah i hope it's gonna go like that in the future so yes so the great story of ian gawler who had he, he had bone cancer and he had, there was a 5% survival rate and he said, oh, I can be in that 5%. Yeah. 
and he sure enough he was. So you moved to Germany at the end of 2016 and then you started, initially you didn't do any treatment, you were doing the natural treatment and the Gerson therapy. And then in April 2017, you started with the chemotherapy. Yeah. Yeah, I started on my birthday. Actually, my 40th birthday, I started with chemotherapy. So that's how I know when I started. Um, and I mean, I had seen oncologists before in Germany. And I kind of said to my husband, if I do it, I'm going to do it with that oncologist because he did... The normal oncological treatment but he also does complementary medicine mm -hmm. so he supports you with different um, other things as well and so then you started a period of going to hospitals regularly what what was that like um i started chemo and then like the plan was to have week, uh, weekly chemotherapy but after my first treatment, and it wasn't just chemotherapy, I also had antibodies, which was supposed to be every three weeks. Mm -hmm. And so I had my first big week, which is you have chemotherapy and the next day you have the antibodies. And after the second day, I woke up in the morning and I couldn't breathe. So they thought I had an embolism. Mm -hmm. So they, I had a CT and then in the CT they realized how bad my back was and that I had fractures. So they wouldn't let me go home. And they said, we have to do radiation. Oh, wow. So you had radiation as well. I had radiation to the spine, yeah, to the neck and to the thoracic lumbar junction. And did that work do you think that got rid of it or i mean just thinking of the pain i was in um it helped very quickly mm -hmm. like the radiation i mean it's not a pleasant thing to get radiation and especially uh, because radiation is daily for usually five days and then you have two weeks break or two days break and it goes on for four weeks usually and towards the end you get pretty tired and I was actually as an inpatient in hospital during that time because of my fractures, they wouldn't let me go home because I also have a daughter. And so I had lots of time and I actually had my vibrated Andasna bench with me in the hospital. And so you were doing yoga through the whole process? I mean, I wouldn't say, yeah, I did yoga, but what I did, because I couldn't actually lie flat in Javasana, that would cause me so much pain. So. I started lying on the Vipurita Dandasana bench, but on the flat side, but with pulses and things. And over a period of three hours, I would actually get into a back bend and lie like that. And it also helped me to become straight again because I was very, very kyphotic. Uh -huh. And is that why you decided to, to do the back bending kind of action? To I just realized it? how good it was for right, me. Right, it yeah. felt good. Yeah. What were you feeling at that stage? What were you thinking? F thinking, I think it's a very odd period to think back on because your mind, yeah, you perceive all kind of things. I mean, you don't know if the treatment works and, but the yoga also gave me like just doing that back bend, I think 
what's helped me with is just the positivity and also the strength to go through things and quieten your mind and just be in the moment because I mean you don't know what the future brings and you don't want to look at your life of the past because that's sad too and yoga helps just live in the moment because that's the safest moment you have (laughs) (laughs) very good point (laughs) how did Lena react to all this how did you explain it to her or I mean, we were very honest with her right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And because we are quite close, because we didn't have family around. So we told her. And, and I mean, you, I could not have told her because she also realized and she saw me cry when I was in pain. And I mean, I lost a lot of my patience as well when you're in pain. And, you know, like sometimes I got aggressive with her as well. Understandably, and, yes. And it was also a hard time for her because we just moved countries, so she didn't and have how friends. Old, and how old was she then? She was, she was five and a half. Five and a half, wow. Yeah. And how is she now then? She's pretty good. I mean, I realize she's still, you know, when I'm sick or something, or I just go like, I have a bit of back pain. She just reacts to it. And you can see there is a bit of fear there as well. And so then how long did that process of radiation and go for? Was that a period of... Um, I was in hospital for four, or it was planned for four weeks, but then I had an infection. And you can't have radiation while you have an infection. So I had to go on antibiotics and then... They had to postpone it and then I finished it but then the infection came back so I had to stay on in hospital so it extended the stay to six weeks and then I was allowed to go home but after a day at home I had fever again and then they realized that the infection was actually in the port so where I get my treatment through I have a little device uh-huh. that's my port and uh-huh. it was in the port and that's whenever they put something through it again it would flare up and so my doctor advised me to go and remove the port and I had that and then about five hours later I started having an acute infection in my shoulder joint so the day after I was in emergency again and then I had sho- shoulder surgery So they flushed it all out with antibiotics. Oh my god. And that was actually worse than the pain in the spine. I never had so much pain. But that was kind of my low point because it was like, okay, I could cope with the cancer and things, but then it just threw another shoulder surgery at me. And then, yeah. And And I was in hospital for another 10 days. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And so did it affect your shoulder at all or was it just flushing antibiotics through the shoulder? Did they change the structure of the shoulder? No, it was just flushing it. But it was very restricted afterwards. Oh, wow. So then you had to work to get movement back in your shoulder. Yeah, like I couldn't lift my arm and yeah. How did you do that? How did you come back from that? Uh, Gradually, Mm -hmm. just with Hafutanasana and some shoulder things I knew and yeah. How long were you in hospital for altogether then, would you have said? Well, it was about seven weeks in the end. Okay. In one stint. Did you use other things as well? Did you keep with your fairly strict food routine intake and things like that? Or? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I had 
during chemotherapy, I had a phase where I couldn't eat anything. And one thing I couldn't look at vegetables, like my main, <laughs> my main diet was vegetables before. And I had a phase where I could only eat carbohydrates. And I actually had a few weeks where I only ate croissant. Oh, that's <laughs> very sensible. Uh, but then actually they realized that my nausea wasn't from the chemotherapy. It was actually from the pain medication. Ah. So for that reason, actually the shoulder infection was good because I had different painkillers and all of a sudden I was hungry and I could eat. So ah. that was a good thing. Did you then eat meat and things like that as well? Or you weren't? N no. I mean, what I did, I... During the chemotherapy, I sometimes had bone broth. Mm -hmm. Just when my white blood cell count was a bit low, mm -hmm. um, because I had to go to four blood tests the day before the treatment. And when it was a bit low, I usually went and drank some broth. And I also did headstand for 20 minutes in my swing. And usually the next day I could have treatment. I never missed one treatment because wow. of a low white blood Wow, so the, you think the hanging in the ropes increased your white blood cell count? Yeah, I think so. Because it was always on the up the next day. So, did you Are you still treating people with your craniosacral or the lymphatic? Or I have You need to keep your energy all for yourself at this point. Uh, I haven't because, I mean, my back, it's better, but it's not the way it was before. And with the move so far, I just concentrated on yoga since the beginning of this year. Last year, I did a few holiday coverings for other teachers just to feel my way back into it. And but I'm actually in the process now to get my my certificate like valued in Germany mm -hmm. so that I could work as a massage therapist as well. And so you, you have come back to teaching remarkably quickly through, I don't know how to describe it, but that's a very challenging period of time, but you've overcome it and you've come back to teaching really fast. I mean, it was odd in the beginning to teach. I remember when you still practice a bit more remedially mm -hmm. and you teach normal yoga because I quite like to practice what I teach so in that sense in the beginning it was a bit odd but since I'm more back to a normal practice it actually feels quite natural to teach again oh great and not to teach too much just a few classes a week so you're not draining your energy by teaching too much yeah and I teach lots of privates because they're a bit more flexible because I can also postpone them whereas a class is quite a set thing so you were saying that the opening up the, the armpits and the groins to release the heat in the body. Do you um, have an understanding of how the elements work with cancer, like the other elements? No, not necessarily. The one thing I could tell you is just now that I practice more normal again, mm -hmm. I'm still quite aware of that. If I do like a backbend practice like I did before, mm -hmm. I need a longer cool down. So if I do a longer or a more active backbend class, I have at least 45 minutes cool down. And so you're back to doing a practice, obviously, you must be to be able to do the JI1 sequence. That's a pretty strong sequence. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for possibly half a year, I've been practicing normal again and also I realize I don't need as much cool downs afterwards 
Because the first time I did a backbend, it was like, oh. <laughs> it was like a different body. Oh, wow. Well, you're amazing, Petra. That's all like. <laughs> you're totally amazing. So you coped with a lot of change and a lot of challenge in a, in a short period of time there. Yeah, I mean, you know, my friends here said, don't go, like, you won't have a network over there. And that's true, I didn't have a network. But I also, I had some anonymity because, you know, like, I shaved off my hair after the first treatment. Um, and then, you know, no one asks you what, what happened to your hair because no, no one knew you before. So you kind of, they just know you the way you are then. And also, like our German health fund paid for someone to come in and clean and someone to look after Lena. So that was actually covered for a year by the health fund for a few hours a week. That's a fantastic help, isn't it? And you wouldn't have got that if you were in Australia. Australia, no. I'm just astonished at how you just stayed with your yoga practice and, you know, just kept going through all that. Yeah, I think it was what sustained me and I mean, the one thing I had on my hand was time and my practice room. So every day a little bit just helped. When I saw the pictures of the CT, um, I cried because my spine looked that, like that of a 17-year-old woman with osteoporosis. That, that must have been such a shock to go from, you know, the beautiful backbend practice that you had to... Yeah, to actually be curved the other way. Yes. Yeah. But also kind of to see it kind of, and you think, like, I think at that point thought I, I would never do a backbend or a headstand or anything again. So then you had to start with little baby steps. Yeah, it was, I mean... As I said, you know, the Vibrita Dandasana bench, it took a long time and still nowadays, you know, like in the morning when I'm cold, I can't go just from one extreme to the other, especially forward bends take me a long time. I get there and I get down, but it just takes a bit longer till everything lets go. And how did you get from that point where you thought you would never do a backbend again to starting to do your first tentative I mean, as long as you have chemotherapy and a few months later, you just do restorative. It's a very, yeah, there are about seven restorative poses you do. And depending on if you had surgery, which I didn't, um, you would hold the arms in different ways. Um, and then slowly you bring in one more active pose at the time. So then for yourself, how did you make start to make the transition from the restorative asanas to the more active asanas depending how, how i felt like if i felt okay i have a bit of energy i started doing a few things and luckily we have ropes in ayenga yoga um so i could do dog pose again and actually not having weight on the arms and then from that i moved on to slowly take some weight on the arms and then start one without ropes and just gradually yeah i'm doing handstands i'm doing urva danurasana i'm yeah fantastic are you just a freak of nature or are you finding that your your people that you're working with with breast cancer can also move that quickly i mean 
I my practice was possibly two to three hours a day and the people I work with they come once a week for one and a half hours and you notice small steps I mean it takes possibly longer and also none of them has done a yenga yoga before so it's also different how you work with someone who was a practitioner prior to someone who isn't and there is a different body understanding as well um, but you see changes and they feel changes after the first class so it's getting people through the door and but when they've come to a class they usually always come back because, you know, in Australia, we've had yoga has just been removed from uh, private health insurance, yoga and 15 other natural therapies. So it does feel that we're moving sort of in the wrong direction in Australia. I know they have the, there's going to be a review of that decision. But, um, you know, I would like to see Iyengar yoga recognized as being able to help with a, a whole range of, of illnesses, including breast cancer. And but we seem here to be going in the opposite direction. Yeah, it feels a bit that way. And I know from Stephanie Quirk that, for example, Russia at the moment funds a lot for actually research in Iyengar yoga and cancer and also diabetes and things. So oh, that's great. It feels know. Australia moves in to the wrong direction, definitely. Because there's so much, obviously, from your own experience, but there's so much to be gained you know, a good Iyengar yoga practice can really support people through whatever health challenge they have. Yeah, and I think it's the mental, like it's not just the physical, but the mental side of which, things as well. Which in the mental is often the, the most difficult part, isn't it? Yeah. Can you tell us about your weekly practice? Oh, it always looks different. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I just, I think... What's important is I tune more, like I have to tune in how I feel. And I think also that's why, you know, I'm not going to too many classes as well, because in a class situation, it tends to be a bit different. And when I practice myself, it's also at one point, you know, like if you feel you there is shakiness or anything in the body, you would just straight go to Viparita Karani and things. And yeah, so you really have to be your own judge. Because I think even if you have quite a senior teacher and things, they don't know what's going on in, in you, you know, like, so your body is your best teacher. As you say, you'd have to do a lot of balancing of nurturing the body and looking after it and being, making sure that you're not sort of overcharging the adrenals or yeah. exhausting yourself. Because it is possible in our practice to exhaust ourselves working yeah. really hard. But you have to make sure that you balance that out with the forward bends and the inversions. Gens, and, and, yeah, and yeah, quite often, like a back, if I do a back bend class, practice, mm -hmm. you know, like I would do Ardha, like supported Ardha Halasana, then I would do Setu Bandha, then I would do Viparita Karani. So, like, it's all those, and I don't hold them for two minutes, I hold them for seven, ten minutes each, and just till I feel. You know, like, yes, now I can go. But then some days it's quicker, but especially in the beginning, you know, it was like, okay, that's where I'm at and that's where I need to go to. And it was kind of, yeah. And that's great that you had that time where you could 
you know, it's like a luxury in a way, isn't it, to have that much time where you can really soak yourself in the asanas and really treat yourself well. Yeah, and have that much time for the restorative. I mean, you know, like you don't have another option because I think it's one of the things we sometimes leave out in our practice. Because especially, I mean, beginners, you know, like they don't usually like the restorative class because it's quiet and your mind gets busy. Um, but actually have that time, you get a whole different quality. And so, yeah, you can really savor them and really sort of understand. And, um, and one thing that Stephanie always said, uh, in, or she said to me in the beginning, she was like, look, you won't have any energy. You need to go and find that energy within you. You know, she said, it's very deep, but you have to go there and you will find it. Well, it certainly looks like you have. Yeah, so. <laughs> well done, Petra. Lovely to see you. <laughs> Thank you. To her credit, Petra passed her junior intermediate level one exam. And she's back in Munich where she can be contacted at theflowyoga.de. I run yoga classes at the Yoga Nook in Dulwich Hill in Sydney and I also do yoga retreats in Queensland, the Hunter Valley and just outside Sydney. Have a look at my website, yoganook.com.au for the details. See you next time.